welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity of flying back to Chicago. Well, actually, I, I needed to go back to Chicago for a one-day conference. And while I was back there, I decided to take the time to go and visit Sailrite. So from Chicago to Fort Wayne, Indiana, it was about a four-hour drive, maybe maybe slightly less than that, but it was quite a, quite a drive. And I spent a night in Fort Wayne, and then the next morning I got up and went and visited Sailrite and sat down with Matt Grant and did a tour of the facility, and I wanted to share it with you. Now, this may sound like an advertisement for Sailrite. It, it, uh, I found it interesting, okay? I like to go and visit companies, and I like to talk to people that have created something or are creating things. So for me, this was interesting. So this was an on-site interview, and I did it with my little handheld recorder. So the audio quality is not going to be as good as my normal audio quality because the conditions were not studio conditions. They were just handheld, just walking around, holding up the recorder, putting it between us, and carrying on a discussion. So first of all, I went into his conference room. We sat down. I, I started questioning Matt Grant, and a lot of these questions we'd, we'd already gone into in previous podcasts. And then we got up and walked around the warehouse and went into the manufacturing facilities of the sewing machines that he sells, the great, the great Sailrite sewing machines, and then continued walking around the warehouse. I hope you find it interesting. I enjoyed doing it. And of course, after that, then I went and visited my mother who lives in South Bend, Indiana for a couple of days, and then back to Chicago for this conference and back to Salt Lake. It would have been a lot nicer to do this in the spring as it was. It was uh, in February, and it was cold and cloudy. It was good to finally meet face-to-face with Matt Grant and some of the people at Sailrite. Hope you enjoy it. I'm with Matt Grant at Sailrite in his conference room, and I was just talking to Matt a second ago, and I realized I probably should be recording this because I may or may not use it on the podcast, but what the heck... (laughs) But I was asking you, how do you choose what videos you're going to do? Yeah, so the uh, it's a great question, and I don't have a terrific answer for it. So the uh, 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 we have a lot of personalities in the business, and everybody has an agenda. So uh, uh, we sort of uh, it's sort of like a, a shot here and a shot there, and and every once in a while we'll look at our our YouTube channel and we'll say we haven't done enough on upholstery work and. And uh, and we'll go that route. But uh, uh, it, it, in the past, uh, we need to work on that. So uh, we need to develop a plan. I've been telling marketing we should have a, a videography plan every year uh, so that we know what we're going to be targeting. Um, uh, we haven't had to spend much time on that because in the past it's always been driven by the customer. So uh, uh, if we get a lot of calls from people saying, you know, asking questions on how do we, well, this is a perfect example, because when we walk out there, you're going to see we're doing a T-top right now. So if we get a lot of customers saying, how do I lace on a T-top, or how close do the grommets need to be to one another um, around the perimeter of the fabric, and how do I pattern for it, etc. Uh, once the project guys start answering those questions all the time, uh, eventually somebody says, we should really do a video on this. 
and then it comes down to how are we going to do a video on it and then we start looking does anybody have a boat that has a t-top on it and uh, in this particular case nobody had a boat with a t-top because we're all sailors uh, so uh, and we couldn't find anybody with a, a, a whaler or anything that had a, a canvas t-top so we just bought a uh, uh, tower. <laughs> so, so we, I thought so, you would have bought a boat. Well, you, you, you know what? Buying the tower was a lot less expensive, <laughs> and, and uh, it's actually worked pretty well. So, so uh, you'll see we we have a nice big tower set up out there, and it really is going to do everything we need in order to show somebody how to do a t top. But um, uh, hopefully, in the next few years, we'll have a better way of deciding what markets we're going after. Um, and do it in a more planned uh, uh, program. Right now, it's just there's just so much. It doesn't really matter because we just have so much to do. We just do it. Um, and one of the things that I like about our, our videography department right now is that they don't. They're not. I, it's it's some it's it can be a good thing. So if they're not super organized when it comes to to planning things but they're extremely effective in producing things i get a lot more content out of them and they just go 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 um when we do more planning for things we have a tendency to spend a lot more time figuring out okay well when do we exactly want to release this and so forth and so on and we end up with a lot less content so right now i'll take the content over the planning but at some point we need to be thinking about that because uh, our growth on YouTube is very sporadic depending upon what we put out and when we put it out. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I wish I had a, a more logical answer to your question, but there really so, is not much. So you, you sort of sporadic, but you say you're driven by agendas. Is there certain people in the company that want to go oh, in yeah. direction? Oh, and... yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so uh, everybody has a different, uh, you know, the neat thing about what we do, since it's DIY, is everybody's interested in something, and, and a lot of people have some different interests when it comes to sewing. So our marketing department has more of a tendency to be interested in home projects because, I mean, there are professionals uh, and they think big picture into them, you know, home outdoor living spaces and upholstery projects, window treatments and things like that make great. They're, they're just huge appeal to it. Lots of numbers in it. Those of us that are that are from the early days of the business, you know, we're all about sailing and, and boats. And we want to do the boat stuff. Which makes and, sense. I mean, you think no, about it. There's a lot more people with houses than there, there are. There are. It makes more there sense are. Down the other path. Yeah, I think since we, and I don't remember the numbers since we last talked, but our YouTube channel is at 185,000 now subscribers. So it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Uh, but we, we, we have noticed that when we do um, window treatments or we do upholstery projects, uh, it grows a lot faster. So uh, even the boating guys sometimes are like, well, maybe we should do more of the outdoor living stuff or the, the upholstery stuff because it does grow our channel. But when we do the marine stuff, uh, they're usually bigger projects. They're things that our customers are, are, are well-entrenched customers are, are doing on a day-to-day -day basis. So even if we only get uh, four to 6,000 views on a, on a video like a T-top, we're going to sell supplies from that. It's just going to happen. Whereas for the household stuff, sometimes it's just you have an audience. They just, it's like home and garden television. They want to watch it. They want to learn something, but they're not necessarily going to go out and buy a sewing machine and buy the fabrics and, and do the job. Some of them do. Mm -hmm. But uh, that direct relationship between video and purchase is not as good outside of the marine market. And I think a lot of that is because 
that's our marketplace. Yeah. And it's also because that's what our primary product line caters to. So well, your name sail right. Sail right. Yeah. Is sailing. So yeah, yeah. You, you you'd be amazed how many times I've been told we should change that name to sail S A L E right, <laughs> <laughs> so that we so that it doesn't pigeonhole us so much. But it's it's it, it, to me it's about where your roots are, yeah. and that's where our roots are. So uh, I think the name is is gold as far as I'm concerned, and as long as we can and as long as we can attract other customer groups and make it clear that you know we started from a marine foundation, but what we do caters to so many different areas. I think that, I think that makes sense. Yeah, and you were established so, in 1969. 1969, my dad and my mother uh, started the company, and uh, uh, yeah, and Jim Connie hardly ever comes in anymore, but. Uh, uh, Jim was in here just the other day. He's uh, uh, writing a, a book, uh, a family uh, uh, book uh, from from his his uh, uh, teenage, I think, on up. And, and so he had he had all of our old catalogs strewn all over the conference table in here the other day, and and going through things in order to passing on his, his to, legacy, his yeah, history, his know? history, right? So it would probably be read by three people. But I told him, I said, Jim, you know, the nice thing about publishing a book today is, is you can just print one and you're good to go. That's so. right. <laughs> so, but he's having fun with that. So, and every once in a while he'll pull some photos out of things that I barely remembered. So it's been, it's sort of been fun to take a look back and, and see what we've all done over the years. But. I hate to date myself, but I remember when you first started advertising in some of the magazines. Yeah. But uh, yeah. and I, I think I ordered one of your build your own sale books way back, yeah. way back in the day, because yeah. I had these thoughts of well, I can build them cheaper than I can buy it, but I never did yeah. go down that path of trying to build my own sales. sales. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, when I was sitting in the the only few minutes that I sat in your lobby, I was going through your book there, mm -hmm. and it showed. And I don't, you probably have this in one of your videos, but it, it showed somebody sewing a sail, but instead of the sail being pulled through the machine, you had a little dolly that ran up this, the, uh, the sail as you were sewing. Hmm. Is there, is, did you make that, or do you remember that? No, I don't remember that. And that, now that book that you were looking at yeah. out there, I think that's a book they put together of customer projects. So that was probably a customer who, okay. who rigged something up. Which and, I thought was a real clever way, right. because that's one of the big things, if you got a a 40-foot-long yeah. sail, and you're pulling and that through the machine, right. it's a lot easier to roll right. a, a sewing machine on a little platform yep. up that. Yep. Yep. That was pretty clever. Yeah. No, we've had a number of customers over the years that have had to sew some extremely large things, uh, come up with ways of moving the sewing machine instead of moving the canvas, which is no fun to do, but I suppose it works. Uh, it's just... <laughs> yeah, you still yeah, got to get down there on your knees and still be pushing got, it along. still so. got to get down there on your knees. I, the... Uh, uh, I can't remember what country it was, but not too long ago we had a, uh, a another uh, country. Their military ordered a sewing machine and sent us pictures of what they did with it. And they were they had a, an extremely large military tent of some sort, and they needed to to fix something way up high on the tent, and they didn't want to take it down. So they put scaffolding up and they put the sewing machine up up way up high so that they could just sew that section of the tent. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. But uh, uh, so, yeah, anything you do to make things easier, I guess. Uh, one of the nice things about having a portable machine that can handle uh, some heavy material. So. All right. <laughs> so I got to ask you, since I'm here, and I'll pick this up. I bought some zippers from it because my, my full cover on my boat... Um, uh, the zippers 
they actually, I don't think it was the zippers that gave way. Again, it comes down to the thread on right. that holds the, the zippers onto the material. It's exposed eight months a year and it deteriorates. So I'm going to replace those zippers, and I bought them from you already. What thread should I use for that? Should I use, because we, we talked about this on the last time we, we talked on the podcast, but I just want to make sure I get, have the, I have the, I have two spools of the Teflon, the, oh, the Tenera, Tenera thread. thread. Yeah. Is that going to be the best stuff yeah. to use on this? Yeah. Because yeah. it's going straight up yeah. and down on these. Yeah. Things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Normally, I mean, you'd use, uh, depending upon where you are, mm -hmm. uh, the common thread to use would be a polyester. Which is a, what gives up. I and mean, a V92 weight. Right. Yeah. And it would give up. Right. Uh, if you use the Teflon thread, whether it's the Tenera or the Profilin brand, um, they'll hold up. So your zipper will fail before your stitching does if you use that thread. Okay. Initially, when you said that, I thought maybe you were talking about, it's one of the things that people talk about between zippers. So there are two different types of zippers that we use in the marine industry. There's a Vislon zipper, which is the type that has the molded teeth onto right. the zipper tape. Mm -hmm. And then there's a coil zipper. And the, the coil zipper looks like a, sort of like a slinky along the edge of the zipper tape. And the coils are actually sewn to the zipper tape with a V69 thread. So um, uh, even though both are used in the marine industry, sometimes people think that the stitching from the production of the canvas work failed when indeed, when instead it's the stitching that holds the coil to the zipper tape that the manufacturer used that fails. So um, uh, just a, a, a fact here, um, most of us use Vislon zipper because right. that 69 weight thread would be the first thing to fail on a coil zipper unless you have it protected in some manner. But you'll still see the coil zipper used in marine because it bends curves right. and this much is better. Straight up and straight down right. on the Yeah, covers. so you'd want to use the Vislon for that. But if you use your, your Tenera thread, uh, you won't have the stitching fail. It'll be the, the zipper or the canvas. That now, those two next. threads, we talked about this. I'm just going to go over yeah. this one more, one more time. The Tenera thread, and then there's a new thread that you're using that you actually like more, though, right? Well, they're different. So, okay. so uh, Tenera thread is the one that is well-known because it's by Gore-Tex. Right. Um, and, uh, and they were, I think they were the first to come out with that type of a, of a lifetime thread. Um, the problem, that it's, it works great on rotary hook machines, on oscillating hook sewing machines, which is primarily what we sell, uh, it can be finicky. Uh, so um, uh, we started working with a thread that uh, um, uh, comes from overseas. I can't remember exactly where anymore, but it's a, a lensing product called Profilin. Mm. And, and we import it directly, and we sell it under that brand as a sale-right product. Oh, okay. And uh, uh, it is still a Teflon thread, so it still has all of the same properties and will last uh, lifetime. Uh, is it easier to sew with? It's easier to sew with. Right. And, and and I can't tell you exactly why. Okay. Um, it, it Basically, if you think about a Teflon, it's super slippery, mm -hmm. and that's counterproductive to the way stitching works for a sewing machine. If the threads, the idea behind the way a sewing machine works is that when the needle comes down, there's a, an element of friction that holds the thread on one side of the needle and allows it to slip on the other side when the needle is retracted from the fabric. And that slipping and capturing of the thread creates the loop that the hook picks up. If your thread is Teflon and you don't get that sticking, you can get the slipping obviously, but you don't get the sticking on the other side, you don't get a loop as large for the hook to catch. Okay. So that's one possibility, but Teflon is Teflon, so theoretically both threads should perform the same way regardless of that, of that element. Um, 
However, the twist of the thread or the way they make the thread um, has a tendency to determine how it actually curls on the underside of the machine too. So if even if it creates a loop, if that loop has a tendency to want to curl away or curl forward, that can also impact it. whether the hook can catch it. Okay. Now on a rotary hook machine, that doesn't seem to make a difference, but on an oscillating hook machine where the hook is just going back and forth to catch the, the loop of thread, if that, if that loop curls away one way or the other, you can get more skip stitches. What we find with the profilin is we don't have that curling issue as much, and as a result, we don't skip stitches. Right. So, so uh, our current, uh, though we love Tenera thread, and because it really started this whole lifetime thing, um, our current approach is to tell people if you've got a rotary hook machine like the Fabricator, uh, or the old Sailrite Sailmaker, or any of the, the old rotary hook machines, or even new rotary hook machines, Tenera's fine. If you've got an oscillating hook like the Ultrafeed series, uh, then you should get the, the profilin thread. All right, so I'm going to pick up a couple well. spools of that while I'm here. Now, you don't have, uh, so I came here, you've, it's basically a big warehouse, and mm -hmm. you don't have a store here. Nope, nope, So and we're right on a highway. I know, you're right on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it's... Uh, uh, it's on my bucket list. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know if we'll if we'll do it or not. Um, uh, the uh, uh, when when we walk back in the warehouse, you'll see what I what I mean by we have a lot of fabric. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, I think that we could do a very good business of walk-in traffic for fabric alone. Mm -hmm. I don't even think it yeah. has to be boaters. Um, it, just just a fabric uh, storefront would do well. Um, uh, we we have talked to Sunbrella about that and a couple of other brands that we work with and and uh, uh, everybody would encourage us to do it. It's just then we're I, I mean one of the nice things about an e-commerce business is we're open all the time because of the website, but we're only open Monday through Friday when it comes to being in this building. So uh, if we if we go that retail route for a store, it's just a it's another thing to add to the list of we've got to figure out how to do it. Uh, you, you may see it. You'll probably see that before you see Sailrite opening branch locations. Yeah, yeah. So See if it works here. And if it does. See if it works. And, and the nice thing about it working here is is that anything that we have in the building, we could, we right. could get to them immediately. So it's just, uh, I mean, when you walked in, you probably saw this wall of fabric out here. Yeah. This is sort of how we handle it now. We do get quite a few walk-ins, but what we try and do is handle them in the front lobby if they need to see fabric, they come out to the wall. We don't really go back to the back because nothing is organized in a retail manner back there. It's all by bin location, and unless you've got a gun to tell you where things are, you're not going to find anything. Yeah. What what sort of this is right on US thirty. This is one of what, the, what sort of traffic do you hear on a daily basis? It's enormous. Yeah. So the the traffic out here is crazy. Um, uh, actually, they claim that this thirty corridor is is. Uh, uh, equivalent or worse than than 69 so the uh, uh, and we have as you can see there are there are tons of accidents out here which is the unfortunate part of it there is a 10-year plan to to turn this into an interstate uh, instead of uh, uh, what it is now with all of these roads coming off of it so uh, that's another reason we're trying to figure out whether we want to open uh, right, retail if you're location. not right on if an we, exit, nobody can stop right, by. Right now, the exits are right. our driveway, essentially. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, lots of truck traffic out here. Yeah. So, But uh, it's been a great location. So, I mean, we're on, I, I think we're 15 acres out here, so we have lots of uh, 
of space if we if we need to expand. But uh, uh, we're we're holding off on that as long as we can at this point because there are just too many uh, risks in the marketplace right now. Right. So lots of 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 negative things going on right now that uh, we're trying to figure our way around. So. Uh, one of those things is sales tax, and mm. uh, Inter- internet sales tax. Yeah, since the Supreme Court uh, uh, basically undid the the uh, uh, sales tax the, uh, nexus nexus, uh, uh, since the nexus laws now are active, um, uh, we are scrambling right now to try and figure out how we collect sales tax in in all of the states that have nexus laws. And uh, so it's going to be a little bit challenging. If you want to do it correctly, which, of course, we will, um, we're going to have to um, uh, register, collect, and remit sales tax in, in each day? at least 26 right now. Wow. And, uh, uh, and all of these, the way the Supreme Court did this was they didn't, they didn't write a new, there was no new law, there were no new rules. They just basically undid uh, what was done before? So, if a uh, if a state had a nexus, an economic nexus law, that went into effect, say April of last year, uh, and I haven't been collecting sales tax since April of last year, the sale right is still on the hook for all of that sales tax for any sales that we made from April of last year, hmm. moving to the point that we we get registered with those states. Wow. So uh, uh, we know that's going to, uh, it's not only an expensive thing to get it all set up, but it's going to be a lot of back taxes that we're going to have to pay um, for sales that were made prior to the uh, the removal of the, the Wayfair. I would think that's a perfect business for a startup company to go down. There, there were companies that started up thinking about sales tax like Avalara uh-huh. um, uh, years and years ago and uh, they're overwhelmed right now ah, okay. and and it's not ready uh, it's so not ready for prime time it's right? not ready it's not ready this was a horrible thing that happened uh, Congress should have been on top of this uh, so for companies like ours right. uh, that are visible and that uh, sell to so many states it's a it's a big problem. So uh, that's one of the things that we're, we're working through right now, and there are several other things that, uh, I mean, tariffs are a big problem right now with the trade war. Uh, we have numerous products that, that we import that uh, have uh, tariffs attached to them. Um, so what's the biggest country you import from? Uh, probably China. Oh, is it? Okay. So, which, of course... Is that where your machine's heads are made, or in China? Uh, the, the, uh, yeah, China? The, the rough assembled component comes from China. Um, uh, some of the other components, uh, motors, are from Taiwan. There are a lot of U.S. parts um, that we have made even here locally. A lot of the, the injection molded parts are done um, just up the road. Yeah, you're right in injection yeah. molding alley. I mean, the, right, right. I, I, and yeah, I and, worked one night at an injection molding machine company when I was, and they all make up for trailers. That's where the most of these companies around here make it for, <laughs> for the for the RV, RV industry. industry, right? Yeah, yeah. It lasted one yeah. night because it was an all night shift, and I was working lifeguard during the day. And I thought, oh, I can I can work all night long. And I lasted one night, and I said, okay, I can't. Do this. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of injection molding yeah. in this area. That and machining. Okay. So we have a lot of orthopedics in this area. So the Warsaw area is well known for that. So uh, we get a lot of Swiss um, uh, machines that can do small parts, oh. so a lot of our components come 
uh, for the important, really finely made components come from uh, local machining companies, uh, so or CNC operations. So the uh, so we just basically take all those components and we put them together into a uh, a package and then uh, provide the instructions and the video support and then and then support it uh, and make sure that it runs so that our customers can. Uh, by the other stuff that we sell. Do you assemble the, the machines here? Yeah? Uh, we'll walk back there so you can see how that process works. But uh, uh, yeah, I would definitely say uh, uh, now the, the the head comes to us roughly assembled. Right. So so we have we have the the bushings in place and the primary shafts and the primary components are there. Uh, but um, uh, I, I, there's a um, uh, I consider us to be tuners when it comes to that. So in other words, it's the, rarely are they polished or or assembled in a manner where they they turn over appropriately so we're pulling shafts all the time polishing uh, you'll see there's a uh, a a mini mill back there and they're they're pulling things out and remachining things and then uh, uh, when we put it all back together again that's in our first room of assembly uh, they make sure that everything is is turning over freely and uh, uh, properly assembled and they put the motors on and number of cover plates and they put the easy set stitch length plates on a lot of things that are proprietary to us and then they go to the tuning room and in the tuning room what they do uh, once everything is assembled is they make sure that everything is set where it needs to be set so they'll set the cams um, uh, set any of the uh, you know the presser foot height the the needle bars the uh, driver rotation the, the timing gap all of the rest of that they tune it and then once they're done tuning it, then it goes to sew off. They sew off. When they're done, then then it comes out, and then it goes to packaging. Yeah, when so. I got my machine, it always it came with uh, a really thick set of mm -hmm. material that showed that they'd stitched it back and forth and back and forth, and it wasn't skipping stitches. Mm -hmm. So obviously, that's part of your quality control mm -hmm. is to make sure yep. that you, when you get a machine that. You yep. know that it's tuned at that it, point in time. And it, all you can do is screw it up. From it is it is tuned <laughs> properly when it goes out the door. Now, some people screw them up right away, and some people never screw them up. But the uh, 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 you know we don't mind it either way. To be honest with you, the people that really push things immediately and do the wrong things, they they, they just learn quicker. Yeah. So then we have to walk them through things. Uh, but uh, some of these guys just want to know how to. I mean, our customers want to understand how things work. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and that's one of the beauties of uh, doing videos the way we do them, mm -hmm. is that uh, we it, it's a lot easier to explain to somebody through a video with uh, uh, photography or with uh, video, I guess, right. it, yeah. how something works than it is to try and explain it over the phone. And, yeah, it's much better uh, than a manual. Yeah. Watching somebody yeah. do it. Yeah. And I want to ask you that: How long have you been making videos? Oh, jeez. Uh, it really started. I, my brother Eric. And my father uh, got on this video kick at one point and just thought it was what we should do. And so that wasn't my idea. So uh, I can't claim credit for it. Eric really uh, uh, took the, the video part of the business uh, to the extent that it is now. And that would have been, let's see, it was a long time ago. Uh, it would have been uh, probably... 15 years ago, maybe? Right at the start of YouTube, then, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, we didn't start with YouTube. Did. We started with Silverlight. Oh. And uh, um, and there was a big argument uh, as to whether we should go to YouTube from Silverlight. And I was against YouTube. 
<laughs> which, because at the time with Silverlight we owned the video content, right. and my concern with YouTube was that you know they they host all of the video People and they can copy it. Well, it wasn't so much about copying it at the time; it was about what if they just disappear. So, because uh, you know, true. yeah, once you do all this video, if you lose it, you're sort of where are you? Right. Uh, so, uh, uh, my concern was about the stability of YouTube. Which still, uh, I think, is a concern because companies can yeah. change their policies yeah. all the time. And yeah. They could say, well, if you want to have your videos up here, you're yeah. going to have to now pay yeah. us. I just wish that I had put a couple of paychecks in YouTube and just quit working at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing with Google and. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So the uh, but no so uh, obviously YouTube did not go away, and uh, uh, and their platform works really well because uh, uh, as you know it's we don't have to pay to put video out there it's free as a matter of fact we make money on on yeah. advertisements on YouTube. Oh, but, you actually do. So people oh, yeah. actually watch your ads enough. Huh? Well, yeah. So the, the ads, you know, we put ads at the beginning of the videos like most everybody does, mm -hmm. and if you, if you watch those ads, it. It contributes to uh, a, a payment that we get from YouTube for. You, you know, and as a, I, I will actually on a channel I like, like yours, I'll actually watch, watch the, the ads, ads because <laughs> because I say, you know what, we got to reward good content somehow. And yeah. I know, you know, it's yeah. it's not much, but at least you get something. For yeah. It, so. yeah, yeah, I, I I was completely against. The, I've been wrong on the video front pretty much since the beginning. <laughs> I was completely against the ad revenue uh, when when uh, somebody proposed that that we do that, but. It, it, it helps. I'll tell you the problem with video is is that the more since we've been doing it for so many years, it's not a once and done thing. Uh, everything changes. I mean, the, the quality of the video, the quality of the sound, the the techniques, the materials that are available. So, uh, what we're finding now is we're not just doing new videos; we're having to redo old videos. Mm. Um, and as we do that, in order to keep up with things, there's a pretty big investment that goes into that. So, we have two videographers here now, and that's what they do. And who are and, they? Uh, it, actually, it's my brother Eric still, Eric, okay. and his son Seth, who's okay. following in his footsteps. So, uh, uh, both of them, obviously, they work really well together and uh, uh, they're producing uh, uh, very good content um, and we're, we're it, it is I don't know why I didn't see it in the early days uh, because content is so important to the business um, it, it has been a very important driver to what we do here the problem now and, and the only reason it's working so well for us now is that we've been in the game so long that our subscribers are, we have a huge loyal group of subscribers. Thank you very much to all those subscribers. And um, uh, if we didn't have that, it would be harder today because there is so much content on YouTube now that it is, it's just like Google. I mean, right. in the early days, you could put a page out that was relatively well done with proper keywords and meta descriptions and you could get decent ranking. Uh, same thing with videos in the past. You just did a video and it popped up because, yeah, because there were so few there were videos. So few videos. Right. But now, even in our marketplace, which is a very unique marketplace, there is a lot of, of uh, clutter. Um, sometimes it's it's hard to get your video to the top of things, um, especially if it's in a category that is is large. Uh, so when we do window treatments and we do upholstery stuff, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. So without that that subscriber base, it would be much tougher. To reach the group of people that we're reaching now, uh, but content is still king, 
and uh, uh, and we're doing other things with content now. So uh, uh, we do this meet our customers, which you haven't if you haven't looked at that. I think those stories are fantastic. The the last one was on a guy that uh, biking is his hobby, and he turned it into making bags for bikes. And uh, he uses our fabricator sewing machine to do it. And he uh, uh, wrote in and and told his story, and and we retell the story in the meet the customers. Have section. any customers made videos and let you put them up there? You know that hasn't happened yet. You know, and I, so. I, when I first started my podcast, I wanted people to record their stories and send them in, and I'd, I'd upload yeah. them. Nobody does that. Yeah, and I think <laughs> part of the problem is is that uh, look, any this stuff all starts as a hobby for somebody, yeah. and then it becomes a a job. A, a job yeah. And and I mean, like I said, it's expensive to do this stuff. But now the problem is is that blogging and doing videos and things like that has become a, okay. Now how do I monetize this? Right. And sometimes it's you know the content is king so if you give it to another channel you're just helping that channel if you keep it on your own channel and then you have affiliate products linked to the channel that you make money off of when they sell through Amazon or wherever uh, that's typically the model that we're seeing today um, the one thing that SaleRite doesn't do is we don't we don't pay influencers mm -hmm. um, what we do instead is we'll, and we don't really reach out um, people will reach out to us and they'll say hey I'd like to do X, Y, or Z are you willing to give me a break on the materials or are you willing to uh, you know, provide the sewing machine or whatnot? every once in a while we do that uh, depending upon uh, who the blogger is or, or who the, the, what the video channel is um, but um, I, I I don't like that concept. I like the idea of it's much better when somebody buys something from us mm -hmm. is completely independent of of right. uh, have, there's mean, no bias. In other yeah. words, it's better if and that's the way it used to work. It used to be somebody buy a sewing machine, they do a review on a sewing machine and it'd be completely independent and they would say what they think. Um, I, this uh, I don't like this current trend that we're seeing in the whole marketplace where people are, are being paid influencers for things, and we try and stay away from it as much as we can. Do you support, I mean, you, you're a sponsor of my podcast. Mm -hmm. Do you do, do much other sponsoring? Um, uh, we, we do. Um, uh, uh, we've SSCA, uh, um, um, Seven Seas Cruising Association, okay. uh -huh. um, and uh, uh, there are a number of groups that, uh, uh, that will ask us if they can have a, you know, a special promo code or something like that for an event that they're doing uh, but mostly what we like to do is we like to uh, send um, uh, um, I call it swag that's probably not the right word but uh, uh, you, you know uh, t-shirts and hats and things like that okay. to to sailing groups and associations Which when they're having swag, meetings yeah. it, it is I so. heard what swag stands for but, like, <laughs> but I can't remember what it's actually an acronym for something but I can't remember what it is <laughs> I don't know but the uh, uh I, I think where we're fortunate is that, that over the years we've just been in this business long enough that we've developed a mailing list and a, and a, um, uh, a and the video channel um, at this point, and now even text message list of a, a suitable size that, uh, uh, that we can 
reach out directly and we can tell our story directly and we can so, demonstrate. So I don't, I'm, not, I'm not on this text message list. Yeah. What is it? Yeah, what just just go to uh, pull your mobile phone out and uh, uh, next time you go to the SailRite website on your mobile phone, there will be a pop-up and you just enter your text number and uh, then you're part of a group that will get different promotional things and different content from okay. us. So uh, um, I, I've got a young and very progressive marketing department. So uh, <laughs> I, believe me, that's not something I would have started either. But it makes sense. I mean, the email email is probably uh, is still important, but it's not as immediate as text messaging. But yeah, so text messaging, I have no idea where that'll go. But uh, uh, this younger generation, the millennials, they're saying, you know, that's immediate. So, so I mean, I'm I'm a business person by nature, um, and this is just a hobby for me. But do you have a specific marketing budget you go with every yes. year, and how do yeah. you divide that up? Uh, lots of different fronts. Do you so, consider your your YouTube videos part of that marketing budget? Uh, we do not. Oh. Uh, well, no, it, um, not YouTube video. Okay, so we we have a marketing budget and we have a videography budget. Okay. So the uh, uh, those two departments, even though you would think they would work together, are really separate here. Um, so the uh, uh, because there's just too much. I mean, right. uh, it, it's hard to do all of that, and marketing does have to be more organized uh, when it comes to um, campaigns that we're running, ads that we're doing. I mean, there's a calendar that's involved there. Okay. Uh, and it is important that we maintain a, a pretty strict budget on a variety of things there because it can get out of hand very quickly. So, I, I, for instance, um, YouTube, uh, or not YouTube, um, Google. Mm -hmm. So uh, YouTube really doesn't really have much of a line item because it, it doesn't cost uh, so post what costs is the equipment uh, to produce the videos and the time and then the, uh, and then the effort to, uh, to render the, the video content to put it out on YouTube but you're not paying YouTube for a service uh, but when we talk about Google for Google shopping or Google AdWords um, or or any of those other platforms social platforms that that have advertising uh, monetized mechanisms um, those we do pay for so, so Google's probably one of our, our highest line items on the budget okay. because when you go out to uh, Google and you search for something and you see those pictures pop up of those items, when you click on that, uh, you're, you're potentially going to that product to buy that item from that company, but at the same time you're paying Google uh, for that click. So when you see an ad word where it says, you know, SailRite sells umbrella fabric in stock, et cetera, et cetera, we have... 13,000 colors or whatever it is, and, and you click on that, uh, which brings you to that particular page on our website, we pay for that click. So, Out of curiosity, what, what's your average pay-per-click? Uh, I would know this in the past, but fortunately we're big enough I don't have to do all of this <laughs> stuff anymore. Uh, but this is how old I am. Uh, I was the one that started the pay-per-click uh, uh, campaign for sale right when Google first started doing this uh, and when Google first started doing it, I paid nothing it was all free okay so so uh, and then I remember when it went to five cents a click and I thought oh, okay it's still worth five cents a click and now of course uh, if you do any of it you know that it's now all uh, competition yeah. it's based on on who else is looking for those clicks and what they're willing to pay um, we're not in an industry where we're paying like you would for tennis shoes. I know some of those things, those clicks are going for, you know, uh, I don't know what the numbers are anymore, but more than we're paying. Yeah. We're probably averaging no more than 
than a buck, buck fifty a click, no more than that. And in many cases, we're probably paying fifty cents a click to, in in that range. So, but it's a lot more than free. Yeah. Uh, And once you get us enough of enough of a click. yeah, you know, when I when I do a Google search and I find a company that's got a paid click, and then I see right below their actual website, organic. I'll usually go right to their website because I don't want them to pay for that yeah. click if I can if I can do that. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. I do the same thing, and uh, the company would definitely appreciate yeah, that you do that. Exactly. The 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 uh, but the uh, the assumption is that most people don't know that. Yeah. And uh, you still, if you're top of page, I mean, if somebody doesn't know that and they click my top of page link, that's what I put it out there for. So we, we expect we're going to have to pay for that. Because customer acquisition costs now, I mean, it's not cheap uh, to acquire a new customer. And if you ask me that number, I'm going to tell you I don't know what that is either. I'd have to ask somebody in marketing. But it's, uh, 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 it's very important these days to, uh, once you get a customer to place the first order, to keep that customer happy and hope that they place more orders because you probably don't make any money on the first order uh, given the, the mm-hmm. acquisition costs these days, uh, especially given all of the fronts that, that we have to advertise through. Now, is your son in charge of marketing now? No. Oh, well, he, he is. Uh, um, uh, my son uh, co-manages marketing with uh, uh, a gal by the name of Amanda. Okay. And uh, they have split the department. So um, uh, Zach handles, Amanda handles more of the, the staff and the calendar-related component of okay. the, the marketing department, and, and Zach handles more of the uh, uh, the electronic side when it comes to uh, sh- Google, Google Shopping, um, uh, social, and uh, um, uh, Bronto, we call it, which is our email marketing uh, platform. How many, this is a family business, mm-hmm. how many family members work in the business? Let's see, so one, two, three, four, five, six. 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 And how many employees do you have altogether? Uh, it depends upon the time of the year, but uh, uh, this last season we topped out at 67. Um, we're probably running around 55 right now, but uh, this time of the year it, we never lay anybody off and we, we don't. We, we do, unfortunately, let people go, but for good reason when that happens, but we never lay off. So uh, through natural um, uh, turnover, and uh, the hiring cycle, yeah, typically season will hit in the, we should hit probably close to 70 this year. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, it works pretty well. And then we have a lot of, um, uh, we do have a lot of teachers um, and that come in, and college students that come in during the oh, busy okay. season uh-huh. and have done it year after year after year after year. So that's been really nice because those people, when they come in, they help us to take care of the additional boost in business because of the, the season seasonal component. So your busy season is the summer season. Yeah. Okay. We will, uh, busy season for us will start our catalog mails Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, catalog requests are going strong right now. Um, and as soon as the first catalog arrives in the customer's hands, that's when we kick off our, our sort of our spring, spring sale. And uh, we go into uh, uh, full busy season by March. Okay. So we're talking on Friday, February 8th, 2019, because you said Monday. So yep. who knows when this podcast will yeah, actually be yeah. out. So yep. I just wanted yep. to clarify. Yeah, we're a little behind on the catalog. Yeah. We decide, This year we decided to... Uh, we, we've done, for the past several years, we've done a separate home and a separate marine catalog. Mm-hmm. And I usually get both and, of them, yeah. yeah. And this year we decided, most people take them both. Uh-huh. So we bundled the two catalogs. Uh, well, and, in one. And, well, it's not one book, but we put the two books together in one. Okay. And so you get it in a plastic wrapper this year. And um, um, 
so it slowed us down a little bit because we had to prepare both books at the same time. Your printing but, budget must be huge. Yeah, printing is such a small part of anything anymore. Uh, yeah. Printing is really, really, that's the one area where costs have gone down, if anything, um, because I think just the efficiencies in printing have gone way up. But it's full-color so, catalogs yeah, you put but out. That catalog, probably no more than a buck and a, a buck of a, a copy. Really? So it's not bad. If you print enough of them, the costs are just really low on something like that. The cost of the printing is nothing relative to the cost of distributing. Shipping. The, yeah. yeah, shipping it is much more expensive, and then the cost of... Uh, of um, um, uh, preparing it. Uh, it takes us, uh, we start on the catalog about mid-year. We really have, we probably have four to six months full-time for a group of people every year we produce that catalog. You do all the color photographs yourself? We do all the photography. We have two photographers here on staff. Um, we do all of the text copy. Uh, we do all of the layout. Um, we, when we send it to the printer, we just send the files and say this is what needs to be printed. Uh, so it's uh, the the whole nine yards are done here. Are the is the printing done locally? Or is it uh, we 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 have been using the same printer for the last uh, probably eight years, but okay. uh, um, they're not local. I okay. mean, unfortunately, we have to uh, we're using. I guess it really doesn't matter because it's all electronic digits going somewhere it's, wherever it's going to be. It's all print. electronic, and we don't even just we we rarely distribute the catalog from here. In other words, when they print it, we get a certain number of them in here to put with orders. But the, the, actually, the way it works today is. Uh, uh, they hold the catalog in, in warehouse, and, and we we send the mailing list, and oh. and they ship it out. Uh, so it it much much easier than the old days of getting a big pull, stack of pull pallets yeah. off, and then have somebody stand there and and label them and and manually bag them, and then take them to the post office, and and uh, yeah. <laughs> so so uh, it, it's a process, but. Um, uh, catalog is not nearly as important as it used to be in our business. Uh, when we run out of catalogs, I don't hear about it like I used to. But there are still a lot of customers that appreciate having the book. Um, it's a wish. It's a wish book in a lot of ways. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't. I don't know if that was one of Sears's mistakes, but uh, I sure liked getting the Sears catalog. Yeah, and when they stopped the day, doing yeah. it, I, it sort of made them feel like everybody else. So I'm not. So as long as the cost of the catalog is justifiable and uh, uh, we'll continue to do them forever, at least as long as I'm here, that would be my goal. Okay. Uh, and I enjoy doing catalogs. And the other thing that's nice about doing a catalog, which I think a lot of companies lose sight of, is that a catalog is a great way to go up and sh go th go through your entire product line and while you're making changes, shore up your website at the same time. When you have thousands of products online, it's very easy to think in terms of that's done, mm -hmm. but it's never really done. So when you're reading a catalog, which I still read and edit the catalog every year, when you read the catalog and you read something and you think, that's not right, uh, what I do is I go through and I, I make corrections and then I put notes on it saying, hey, we need to update this on the website as well. So uh, it, it gives us that ability to, to keep things, keep the content solid. And I think that's so important for the consumer today. There's so much junk on the webs, on the Internet uh, that's just either not valid, not for sale, you know, 10-year-old product, or, or uh, we don't do things that way. We make sure that what we have on the website is completely relevant and completely available so we don't leave ancient product out there. You know, you got so much inventory. How do you and do you 
and you, you have to run this as a business. Inventory is expensive to carry. Are you able to carry it on consignment, or do you have to buy it and just put it in your warehouse and hope it sells? We 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 buy it. We don't. We, there are a couple things we don't do here at SaleRite that I think are extremely important. We don't drop ship, except for except for very a very f- small number of products that have. Uh, shipping issues. So, for instance, if you had a, a furling unit that is coiled, you don't want to put a coiled fur, furling unit on the floor and let it sit there for even three weeks because it will develop a memory. And the right. so those sort of things we have to drop ship. Um, but uh, anything related to fabric, sewing machines, uh, sewing notions, uh, all those supplies, uh, we buy it all, stock it, and we hope that it turns. And this is not a market where you have high turns. Uh, sometimes stuff sits around for a while, uh, so it's a. Um, uh, but over the years, we've figured out how it works and and what things we can justify really stocking deep and and what things we have to go more of a just in time manner. But uh, the consumer today, when they see something that they want, they want it and they want to know they're going to get it consistently. And uh, so many other fabric companies out there right now, which we do consider ourselves to be a fabric company as well, will drop ship so that they can put thousands and thousands of fabrics on their website. And what they for, what they forget is that there's a contingent. To that. You may have all of those supplies, but you cannot provide the service that the customer wants when you don't stock the fabric because you're relying on somebody else to get it to them. So if, if your supplier doesn't have it or your supplier has, you know, sends them the wrong product or, or uh, it went out of stock and you didn't know it, you've got an unhappy customer that you can't give a real answer to because you don't know really what's going on because it's not housed within your facility. So um, we won't ever go to a, a drop ship model for things like fabric. Um, it does mean that we'll probably never have as many SKUs of fabric as, as some of our fabric competitors, but you can be sure when you come to our site that that fabric is either on the shelf or due in any day, and we give you that transparency too on our website. It'll tell you exactly how many yards we have in stock, and it also will say more coming and give you the date that we're expecting more to come in, and that's all managed through our back-end system, and it, it's very accurate. So we, we, we work work on that very hard because we don't want to be answering those questions over the phone. We want it to be transparent to the consumer. And we do run out of things from time to time. Okay. But when that happens, uh, right now we're having a problem with foam. Um, uh, but it's because our, our foam manufacturer, their, their uh, cutting equipment broke down. Uh, so all we can do is there's no middleman so i can't go somewhere else for it i mean one of the things that we try and do is we try and buy from the source so that we can give our customers the best price the downside to that is is that sometimes when you can't get it from the source <laughs> you have to wait until things are are, are resolved but it's uh, uh I, I like the model and and as long as we can afford to, to stock the inventory it's a good model. And you'll see we have a lot of inventory. All right, let's go take a let's look. Let's take a look. All right. Do you get a lot of call-in? Uh, we do. Actually, um, uh, it, it, it's, it's changed a lot in the past few years. We're probably we're probably 70% e-commerce at this point. Okay. Yeah, about 30% call-in. But call-in is important. We, we, get, we get orders through the phone, but what we get more of through the phone is questions. Yeah, and uh, uh, so that's one of the things that our customers value about being able to pick up the phone and, and talk to somebody is that 
Yeah, it makes a big difference to me. Yeah. So, but a lot of times they'll call in and they'll talk to somebody and then they'll uh, uh, place the order online. So, which is fine with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so here's a, uh, the the line the line. Yeah, we right don't here. do a lot with line anymore. Okay. Uh, we do the core things that we need to do and and stay set. But uh, uh, this is all samples. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So the uh, if somebody if you if if you it's hard to see exactly. Um, what you're getting through a photo on the website or whatnot. So we do uh, six by six uh, uh, samples. Yeah, I was always wondering about that for material because you mm -hmm. never really know yep. if it really is what you're looking yep. for in a picture on a website. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yep. So we sell a lot of samples and we do sell samples. Samples okay. are $2 a piece. Um, Which is a lot cheaper than buying a yard of it fabric. Is. Yeah. And if we gave them away, we would never be able to keep up on samples. But I think we have. Uh, I don't know, we probably have 6,000 samples, and these are all skewed as inventory items. Okay. So they have to be done that way in order to, to efficiently pick and ship them. Uh, so this, you asked about photography earlier. Right. So basically from here over to this section, and then the room in here are all photography uh, for, for everything from small products to, to larger. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I've Eric seen this guy. <laughs> Hi, I'm Franz Amason. I've seen you on videos many times. <laughs> Sailing in the Mediterranean oh, yeah, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so Eric's probably going out here to the studio. Okay. So, so what we did is we built a, a studio that looks like a, a garage, if you will. Yeah. And uh, uh, there's the... the uh, the tower I was telling you oh, about. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this this will be uh, uh, doing a, a, a t top out of stamoid, um, and uh, what they're doing right now is getting ready to lace it on. So stamoid. So, stamoid. It's uh, Ferrari stamoid. It's sort of the queen of vinyl. So ah, okay. yeah, if you feel this. So it's just right. a really high quality vinyl. Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. is a lot different than uh, most of the vinyl I've here. So it's not super tight. Yeah, yeah. So they did so yesterday and the right. day before they did the, the patterning and then the uh, cutting and then they did the sewing and the grommet installation. And now they'll video the, okay. the installation of it on the top. But a lot easier than bringing a boat in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when they're doing a video of what they'll do is they will decide uh, what machine they're going to do it on. So we flip back and forth between machines because, of course, we're trying to support. Mm -hmm. And people, that's a great thing to do, by the way. When we show a project on our own equipment, you're sh you're really showing how you make how use you of make that, it, yeah. that machine. So they did this on the LS1 ultra feed, but sometimes they'll kick a fabricator. or Oh, yeah, you've got all the machines sitting right exact, here right. So, so to they throw just on the set then, huh? Pull them in and go. Um, What's when, this one here? This is uh, when last I talked to you, I told you there was stuff I couldn't tell you about. Uh, okay. This is, a, this is a private labeled machine that we've done for uh, Tandy Leather. Oh, okay. So we're okay. In, we're in all 125 uh, Tandy Leather stores it's called the Craft Tool Stitch Master. And it, it's really the Ultrafeed LS1 machine. Right, we it looks it, like we it. We did it in their color, but we also optimized it for leather work. So it has uh, uh, knurled feet and feed dog instead of uh, sharp teeth like we have on canvas. Ah, okay, okay. And then it has a speed reducer built under the table. Uh, for You can see there's a dual belt arrangement there. Oh, yeah. Uh, for super slow speed control. Okay. And then what we did for them, because they have to be able to, since they're going to their stores, they have to be able to put them in people's vehicles. We basically built a, a um, uh, not a, I don't want to call it a portable, but it's like a, a, a small uh, workstation 
that's more of the industrial type setup. Mm -hmm. uh, but won't take as much room in your garage. So these aren't like our boaters where they need to be able to put it in a case and tote it around. Right. But they put it in their workshop and, and they work with it. And this is running off of our workhorse servo motor. Right. So I noticed, so I actually did sew some leather with my machine. So that, you can change that yeah. dog though, can't you? Both the feet and the dog. So you could basically turn an LS1 right into this if you wanted to. Yeah, Except the, for the down, the, the, yeah. the, this back here. The, the speed reducer. Uh, the tabletop, the legs, um, and the uh, uh, and some of the, the custom stuff that we did with the the belt setup on the, on this machine are completely proprietary to uh, to, to Tandy. Okay, okay. And, and we we won't sell those things separately, so we're supporting them as much as we can and and providing this machine for leather work. But you can buy this this tabletop. You could here. get that table, no speed reducer though, and the speed okay. reducer makes a huge difference. Oh yeah, and for I think leather. the compact size for leather makes a lot of sense too so right. you can come close but you'll not get the same thing so yeah, if, okay. you, if you want a true if you want leather a leather machine, machine buy a leather machine right, right. Yeah. and so back here this is uh, uh, just where the machines come out of the sun machine department uh, they get they get boxed back here okay this one doesn't have a kit so, kit oh that so the uh, uh, when the machines come out of the department, uh, all of the technicians sign off on on which machines they've done uh -huh. uh, they, because they're proud of what they've done, and they also we want we want the consumer to know that it was done by so and so. But uh, yeah, you can see the samples and the way they come out. Mm -hmm. uh, so this would be after the saw-off stage, and then Ashley back here, she puts the packages together before they go to final boxing. <laughs> And these guys are doing the tuning back here. Okay. So this is after the machines have been set to turn over. And uh, depending upon the day, they're doing different models today. It looks like we're all doing all fifties. Um, so some straight stitches and zigzags. And uh, does it just go from one station to the next station? No. So all these guys are doing uh, one at a time. Tuning. Okay. So what, they'll do the tuning, and then they'll do the sew off on their their particular model that they're pulling. Okay. Back here, it goes through more of a station process. So. Now here, what they do is uh, where's Mike? See in Tandyland? Uh, that doesn't matter. Anyway, <laughs> the uh, so when Ashley's not packaging out there, she's back here and she'll be uh, putting motors together and uh, either pulley assemblies. And then they're adding uh, easy set stitch length plates over here, and then uh, uh, and then Mike, you're right now you're just doing the the, the smooth. You're testing for rotation and that sort of thing, or what? Um, this one I just. So you're doing motor assembly. So when it comes in, does it come in? Yeah. Yeah. No, they come in through this direction, so they actually come in through here, they cart them in through here. Oh, so, and then, so, so it goes like right. this thing. Yeah, right? and then it comes back out again. Okay. And then you can see a bigger machine over here. We do some big big ones as yeah. well, not as many of those. But, uh, uh, and then, um, yeah, so then, and then there's a lot of just general prep. That they I'm do. amazed how strong these little motors are, well, how powerful they are. It's the gearing that, that makes the difference. So as you can see on this one, we're still using a, a speed reducer here, uh -huh. but we're using the speed, same speed reducer with the smaller motor. So when we use that, it really, it does give you a lot of power. It's not the same torque we get out of the workhorse setup, but it works really well. Okay. So that's what they do back here. And then, uh, and then ultimately when they, uh, 
go this direction, then they get packaged into their different varieties of machines. So if it's a fabricator, which is one of our the big black machine, uh, they they come out in boxes like this and they're ready to go. If they're altarpiece, they come out um, either as the the basic package, which is what this is, or they come into the uh, the plus and the premium models, which go in these bigger. Models. Okay, all right. And so now, do you tend to, to stock them up and then we, they go out in the summer a lot more, we, so you tend to build we, them up in the winter and they go we, out in the summer? We, we try. We've got a really good crew back there right now, and we've made some really good improvements to the, the process um, uh, of assembly in the last year. Uh -huh. So we're producing a lot of machines right now. So okay. the, uh, But season hits, we'll, we'll rarely do we have machines as soon as season hits we're usually always behind oh really uh, so we're so building on day by day we build for demand so you can pretty much sell any machine you make with i mean oh yeah I mean, yeah you, yeah you don't have a no. problem with demand no. you have a problem with supply so we, we definitely last year we had a definite problem with supply at the end of the season um it's a nice problem to have it is it yeah. is so uh this is all uh, um uh, the notions and uh, uh, supplies that you would need to do any of this canvas work. So if, as you walk through here, you'll see bins of thread, you'll see zippers, um, yep. zipper sliders. Somebody came and pulled my zippers the last yep. month. Yep. Huh? You'll see the, the various chemicals and adhesives that we sell, and uh, uh, then you get over to know, fasteners like the stay puts and the, um, oh, yeah. the dot fasteners and the rest of that. So. Uh, and we have a uh, our picking system. You'll see everything is barcoded, mm -hmm. so we don't use paper for picking. Uh, they will come through with an RF gun and uh, uh, fasteners. Instead of trying to create packages, you'll notice these are all the same part number, but this uh -huh. is a, a one ten or this is a one pack of ten. Uh -huh. So when they scan this, it scans it as a one ten pack. When they scan this, it scans it as a ten ten pack, which uh -huh. would be hundred. So. Yeah, that was a mistake I made when I bought my zippers because you, know, you got the ends on the zippers mm -hmm. and uh, and I thought, well, I need one package for each zipper. So I ordered four packages. Now I got all these little crimp ends. I thought, well, I don't need all that because I, I misread that. <laughs> they weren't expensive, but I thought, well, okay, I guess I had to get four of those. No, I needed six of those. So. <laughs> So then uh, all day what they're doing is they're, as they're picking and pulling orders is, is that uh, they'll manifest them and then they come out uh, like this and sell them on a foam. Okay. Um, yeah, you sh I took a look at that yep. video on the foam machine here. Yep. That's right. It's not on your website. You just sent me the link to it. Yeah. Maybe it is yeah. on the website. It there yeah. So uh, uh, looks like they're packing uh, integrated thread stands, which is a machine component right now. So the, uh, you know, we have to put instructions with everything and, mm -hmm. and uh, get those ready so that they're on the shelf. This is the receiving department back here. So everything that comes in the door goes through a, a bagging process, a, a counting process. And, and then it goes right to inventory, to, the bins? Okay. The bins. You must have this organized pretty well. I mean, it's got to be automated a lot. It, it is. It is. It, it has to be, otherwise we wouldn't find anything. So, uh, so back here is a uh, like sewing machine. Um, has the heads as they come in before they go back to the sewing machine department. So, as you can see, we have quite a few sewing machines. Oh yeah. We have sewing machine. We have containers that come in every month. Containers, full-on containers in it. Full-on containers okay. of parts. 
Uh, Is it shipped from the East Coast or the West Coast when it comes uh, in? We get most things from the West Coast. Okay. So most things go through Los Angeles. So then this is all uh, uh, foam. All the foam. So what they do is that foam will come in by the truck load and then it, it just sits on the floor and it's in its cells. Uh, and then as the, the stocking shelves go low, then they'll, they'll use the, the rolling machine in order to roll it. Ah, so and this, this is foam here that was originally like, like right so, so we don't want to roll it and leave it tight on a roll too long on the shelf okay so, that, like, so I need to describe this so yeah. I'm looking to this big area of the warehouse where all the foam is expanded in square or rectangular blocks and then I'm looking at over at a shelf where it's it's been compressed and rolled up then yep, yep. okay and so you don't want to leave it this way because it'll lose it it'll get develop a memory then rolled up yeah I mean it really rebounds very nicely but we don't like to leave it on the shelf for any more than about two weeks. Okay. So everything you see here will turn much quicker than that and uh, and then we then we replenish as soon as we pull. What are the big so, bags up there? That's uh, uh, that's um, uh, uh, batting? Uh, Fiberfill. Fiberfill, okay yeah. yeah. For yeah. like quilts so, then, right? Yeah, for, uh -huh. for, or for making uh, uh, pillows, pillows or... or cushions for the back of uh, the deep oh. seating outdoor okay. furniture, that sort of thing. So, and then this is, so the, uh, uh, yeah, they're working on candy right now back here. So what we do is... Uh, and this uh, is called Tandyland? Really? <laughs> Actually, that's what we call it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Tandyland. Welcome to Tandyland. So, so Phil's back here just putting the packages together. So. So this is what you would see if you went into a Tandy leather store uh, to pick up a machine. You get two boxes, one okay. like this and one like the legs. But so back here, this is just where we assemble all of the components that make a, 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 a stitch master machine, if you will. Okay. So and you won't find anything about this on Sailrite's website because it's it's well, not proprietary. It's not really our. But product. you still got but your branding still, on there. Well, we support it. So we are the. That's one of the the arrangements we have with them. Uh, they sell this particular machine. Uh, we provide all the support for it. So anybody that buys one of these machines gets sale rights uh, uh, famous support when it comes okay. to, to sewing machines. This is what the, the leg box looks like for it then. Oh, so okay. if you go into one of their stores and you want one of these machines, you can see what I mean. You get one box like that and you get one box like this and you can stick it in your car. Yeah. And it's really an industrial table type arrangement. Yeah, and it's a nice compact nice. table too. Yeah. Compact table. So Franz, this is uh, uh, Jeff. And Jeff's our sale designer. Ah, okay. So this part will be interesting to you. So, yeah. so what are you doing right now, Jeff? What's this for? Uh, Sale Fiber 32. It's like a custom. He's redoing it. He didn't like the original. So. Okay. Might, might I turn that off for a second, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, uh, so Jeff's been doing this. How long have you been doing this now? 25 years? Well, yeah, fancy computer stuff. Huh? Yeah. Stuff I did a long time ago. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, if you look this up, it, it used to be a kind of like a Lego mutton thirty-two footer. Strange. Okay. Because I want something better. Kind of. So what Jeff does is he does the the uh, sale design through a system called ProSale. Okay. And then once he's done with the sale design, he renders the panels uh, on the uh, uh, on the display here. So that's showing the and actual that'll, pieces that are going to be cut out. That shows what he's already cut here. So this machine runs up and down the table and cuts the panels. So this actually cuts it then. Huh? Yeah, it cuts. So the the wheel cutter here is your cutter portion. Okay. And then your pen portion for your. It's for stitching then. Okay. Yeah. And then we still go through because these go to customers as kits. You know, it's. There's your seam line, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, but he's also going to mark where it's the foot edge, um, 
So he'll put mark, he'll put custom marking on everything, telling you where things go, so that when it goes out to a customer, they're not confused about what it is. Okay. So I'm assuming. Are you laying it out right now, just so it can be shipped? Yeah. Okay. So we should have walked back here earlier. You probably could have seen this thing cutting. Oh yeah. So so these are the panels. So you can see how it would go to turn into a sail. And if you look at the edge of the panels, you'll see that they're not straight. They're curved. Oh, yeah. So if you side down this, you can see the curve in it. Oh yeah. And so that's what's building the, the three-dimensional shape when the when it's taped together and then sewn. So and then he'll staple all the patch assemblies together and, and uh, then that goes out the out the door with all the other stuff they need to put it together. Do you do a lot of sales? Yeah, yeah, Jeff. Really? Jeff does this full time. It's all he does is build sales or designs and, and plot sales. So uh, uh, it's not the biggest part of the business, but it's an extremely important part of the business because it's it's sort of, like I was telling you before, it's the, it's the history, yeah. it's the core, it's what we've always done. And he does more than sales on this too. He'll uh, plot covers on this for mainsail covers and four deck bags. So we send patterned kits out for some canvas items. Do you have any competition so. in this? Is there anybody else that does this? I think we're pretty much the only person or only group in the world that makes sail kits. That's what I thought. So, which is another reason I don't want to drop doing it. So yeah, it's, it, we're, we're very unique. <laughs> we're very unique. You gotta be a special kind of person to want to make a sail kit, but uh, the canvas side of the business is much larger, but uh, it's, it's still important. Uh, the guys upstairs, there are two web developers up there, and we leave them in their room okay. alone to do their stuff all day long. <laughs> but they do some, some very nice things for us up there. So so if I called in, let's say I ordered a uh, let's say a sheet bag kit, mm -hmm. are those already pre-made, or do no. you always cut them up specifically uh, it, for that? It, it depends. Okay. Some items are, we call the, so if it's an assembly item, it goes on the shelf just to be picked. If it's a kit, it has to go through a process. Okay. So like that sale would have been a kit. Okay. This is something really cool. So Noel's cutting um, uh, a proprietary fabric to sale, right? Um, uh, we are just now getting ready to launch a 68 line collection of uh, furniture fabric that was curated uh, by us. Okay. So, uh, um, now who designed it? Who was the designer of the fabric? Uh, actually, uh, Glen Raven did the. So the way this works is it's called the woven to order program. So Glen Raven, which is Sunbrella, uh -huh. um, uh, basically will have you come into a showroom and pick patterns that they have made. Uh, that are not available unless you order a certain quantity of it and then you call it your own. Okay. So, Noel, you're going to have to recut that one. Chopic, you got, there's a flaw there. We, you get yeah. us a flaw. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep, yep. They didn't give you a flaw tag. So show that to Vicky and then recut for the customer, right. though. I don't want that to go out. Nice. Okay. All right. Good. It just me out of here. Yep. Yep. That's hey, Vicky. Yeah. <laughs> looking at fabric for a long time. So, uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, uh, we're actually, it's been on my bucket list for a long time. Uh, we're actually going to make our own book uh, for that fabric. So we'll have it, it'll be called the uh, Sailrights Umbrella Collection. And uh, we'll have that at the boat shows. And okay. It's pretty select. So you go to the Annapolis boat show, right? Mm -hmm. That's the yep. main one you go An to. Annapolis, and we're doing the spring one this year, too. So uh, okay. go to that one soon. And we're doing a class at that show this year, so oh. uh, for Cruisers University. Oh, really? What, so, what are you going to be teaching? Uh, we're going to teach. Uh, uh, they wanted it to be a 101 level class, so we're doing a class on uh, on uh, uh, out, outdoor canvas and uh, 
uh, use of the ultrafeed sewing machine. Uh, but we're going to actually build bags in the oh, class. So okay. uh, we wanted them, it's going to be hands-on. I think we have 25, 26 people that come to that. So we'll, we're going to take four machines and have groups of five or so that will sit around each machine and they're each going to build a bag. So oh, okay. it should be fun. Yeah. It's going to be very basic or entry level at this point. But, uh, so all of this and all these rows is just all fabric. So uh, uh, you'll find everything in here from the marine grade sunbrella to, you know, your ultra leather and your, your uh, ultra suede to your fiber techs. I mean, it's all, all in this area. So we sort of do, we do what we call the smalls, fabric, and then we get into the, you know, the headliner and the foam pole in the back. And the way the guns work so that the people don't have to walk from here to there to there to here as they, they pick in a, a walking order. So. Uh, when an order comes in, before it makes its way to the warehouse, uh, the order is reorganized in a well, walking path that's logical. Who, who, did you guys develop your own software to do we, this? We, we highly customized uh, an existing package. Okay, because that's a high, highly developed system you're talking about. <laughs> You've got to have a, a map basically in the system and, and pick the most efficient route then. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, uh, but it worked well. So uh, when we do these fabric samples, we clicker cut. So this is just a clicker cutter. So uh, they're not cutting today, but when they're cutting, they just uh, have their, they put a template in there and they, you know, click a big batch of fabric and that's, ah, that's okay. how they create the fabric okay. samples. So do you have like so. layers of it then? Layers yeah, of you fabric? put layers of it in there. So whatever you can get under there okay. with, the, with the cutting dies on top of ah, it and okay. then they cut. So, and we have a variety of different cutting dies for different sizes of samples for different things. So these are the guns that we pick on. So they're just RF guns. Okay. So, uh, which is really nice not to have the paperwork. The beauty of that system is, is that uh, uh, if we're back ordered on some, something, nothing goes to a gun unless it can be picked. Okay. So, so nobody's picking things and then saying, oh, I can't find this item. So that order, we don't want orders just sitting. So if something's back ordered, that order won't even go to a gun until the back ordered item comes in. Once the back ordered item comes in, then it becomes a priority and goes to the top of the gun. Okay. So it's, good. it's a nice setup. This is uh, all over back here. So we did this what two years ago. We wanted oh. to put in a nice break room for the employees. So uh, nobody in here right now. They're not supposed to be in. And then. Uh, uh, we, uh, this is all uh, uh, window material. Oh, okay. So this would be your, your strata glass and your, your OC and crystal clear and all the rest of that. And then for tools, um, a lot of the tools are over in this area. Uh, you know, we do a lot of, we, we, we so we, we sell our own brand of. Yep, I've got that. That's a hot knife. Mm -hmm. Right, and then uh, this is the foam saws are, are a new uh, thing that we've been doing recently. Oh, They're okay. Really nice foam saws. Uh, they work really well. Probably, though, the biggest one that we've done lately is the staple guns. Oh, yeah, I did see that. And those are really nice because... You know, and I actually thought, well, I had to buy one of those because, like I say, I use an industrial stapler when oh, I've yeah. done my stuff. And yeah. The other thing is they always... Uh, it's rusty. I don't, they don't have stainless steel staples. So yep. You got to get the right type of staples. Yep. yep. Where those are. Let's see. Oh yeah. So the the thing that we did differently with the 
the thing that we did differently with the staple gun uh, is we made sure that the uh, um, the the driver mechanism inside the inside the gun doesn't allow the staple to be pressed into the surface of the material. Right. So the and, and, and that's the problem I've had is always cuts through the material right. is the right. problem. With yep. That. Yep. Plus, it's a half-inch crown, so it's a much wider staple. Okay. So you get a better distribution of... of uh, and you get stainless steel staples. Stainless too, right? steel or, or, or galvanized. We or do both. Galvanized, okay. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's been a, a neat tool, and we've been selling a ton of those. So it's, uh, and that's, that's one of the things that we think about when we're doing videos, too. It's, you know, we've got to support the tools that we're offering. So right. more things that you do with stapled upholstery or uh, uh, boat seats, that sort of thing, the, the better it is for us to help display the use of those tools. Sorry. Taking me in a good circle here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, we're missing a good many people in here today, but this is the marketing department. Well, it's Friday. <laughs> so, yeah, this is, uh, well, where, where is everybody? Are they somewhere? Okay. Okay. Okay, I, I wanted you to meet Amanda, but maybe we'll find her somewhere. But uh, uh, Franz is from uh, uh, the Mediterranean podcast uh, uh, that we've done a couple of those, so I think you guys have listened to some. Have you listened to them? They probably listen to me rambling on. I was wondering if you guys actually listen to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> they have to decide whether the yeah <laughs> whether I did all right or not. So uh, so these two gals over behind the first computers here are the copywriters, and then Caleb does photography. Uh, Dylan is our our social. Yeah. Uh, and that's all he does is social. Okay. Once they're done shooting videos, then this is Eric editing studio. Eric and uh, Seth uh, edit everything. So that takes a long time. Yeah, spends a long time. Right about that. <laughs> do you uh, do you, uh, do you edit audio and video separately then? From there, in order. What's, what are these pictures? Are you doing some some charity work somewhere? Yeah, we were in the Dominican Republic uh, working at a uh, at a at a school for. For teenagers, so okay. Christian school, and then I adopted uh, uh, my one of my daughters uh, from Ethiopia. So those pictures are from Ethiopia when we went to pick her up. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Eric has six kids, so he's got. Yeah, he's got that's kids. plenty of kids. What what software? Premiere Pro. Okay, that's what yeah. you're using. Okay. So Bill's out there working while you're in here rendering, and then you go out and just video when he's ready for you to video the next step. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, this is, this is Matt Morton. Matt Morton's a, a key member of SAIL right here. Matt, this is Franz from uh, hey, Mediterranean uh, uh, Podcast. Thank you. Uh, and so Matt runs the sewing machine department. Okay. So uh, uh, his job is That's to make sure. I got one of the things, yeah. yeah. One of the, make sure that everything's working well. So And then he handles all support and... And uh, he's also one of the project guys too. Is that so. one of your first sewing machines? No, that's that that was sort of a, a, a misguided step at one point. That was called the Sailrite Cell, Apprentice, and the idea was we wanted a really inexpensive machine uh -huh. uh, that uh, could do canvas work, but wasn't up to the capabilities of the Ultrafeed, and it worked okay, but. It was. It's. It's. It reminds me of how good our machines are. Now. Yeah. 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 It, it. It wasn't the right approach. Sometimes you have to make a decision that your your model is what your model is, and you provide a quality piece of equipment that does the job properly, and you don't try and 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 get the uh, the lower dollar sales mm -hmm. by coming up with something that just isn't right. So it, it, you're we, gonna we, make mistakes we, in business. You, yeah. yeah. You, you definitely make mistakes, but it's, I think our model now of providing what makes what is appropriate and the right quality of product makes a big difference. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're very careful to vet things 
and make sure that what we're selling is, is appropriate. Is, is it what we would use? That's really what we ask mm -hmm. ourselves. And yeah. if it's what we would use, then, then we go that route. So, you, so Eric and the younger gentleman there was Seth, and then this is my son Tanner, and Hi, Tanner. Hello. And Tanner handles all of our. Nice yeah. to meet you. Nice to meet you. And uh, uh, Tanner, Tanner does all of our uh, um, uh, Google Ad AdWords, and uh, uh, he's involved in in sales, and he's also been one of the guys that's done a lot of the work on the Tandy project. Okay. So, uh, and I'm sure he does other things that I'm not thinking of. But you know, the nice thing about it when you have your kids in the business and you don't know what they do is it means they're doing They'll what they should it out, be doing. Right? They'll figure so, out what they need to do. And then, last but not least, is I don't know where she is, but my wife Hallie and business partner. Oh, okay. So she and I. She works in the business all every does. day too. She does. So, and we share the same office. So. Uh, she's here, and I'm over on the other side, and we throw things back and forth at one another uh, as things are going. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, that's great. I mean, uh, and you're still married. We're still married. <laughs> we go home every night, and all we do when we get home is, is work and talk about work. So I, I don't I don't know if that's healthy, but uh, that's what we do. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, Matt, thanks so much for your time. I really yeah, I'm glad you finally came in to see us. That's, yeah. uh, or you were in the area. That's awesome. So. Well, I mean, I wanted to. I've always wanted to come over here and see what you guys are up to. Anyway, so yeah. it's nice to actually take the time yeah. and come do it. So, yeah. yeah, I have a whole different vision of what you know. You always imagine it's going to look one way, and it looks totally different. This yeah. is much bigger than I'd actually expected yeah. it to be. So, yeah. Well, we're 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 very fortunate. So it's been a it's been a good run, and uh, I'm thrilled that I've got my kids in the business now. It's, it's been a lot more fun with the kids in the business, I'll tell you that. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. <laughs>